where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis here on a Thursday. The phone lines, they're open, 8150 939 for the uh, UPS Jobs text line. I did get a kick uh, out of uh, Nick Coffey on his show yesterday, uh, taking time out to uh, post something uh, in particular about blocking the Bring Brom Home guy who has become far more annoying uh, than he ever was in his pursuit of bringing Brom home uh, by being the Mick Cronin guy. Uh, by being a prick for Mick. I don't know how else to say it uh, than that. He's been annoying the hell out of everybody uh, for this. And I would just like to to welcome him to the club. I blocked the uh, the Bring Brom Home guy a long time ago. Uh, it, it's been a, a very long time coming for a lot of you. Uh, you're you're going to be better off for having done it. Uh, and I, I certainly feel like this year hasn't done a lot for Mick's candidacy here. Yeah, like I could get the case, you know, the Final Four runner even like last year, but... Like this year, like Mick Cronin, like, and I think the buyouts may be too high to fire him, but like if it wasn't that high, I think he could be on the hot seat on the way out because they have just been terrible for so long this year. And obviously, there was an incident like last month where he's sitting an assistant coach to do a press conference because they lost. They got their ass kicked by, I forget whoever that was uh, that day. But yeah, Mick Cronin, it's a weird uh, angle to try to hit your wagon to this time. Very weird, like for a guy that was as right as he could possibly be about Jeff Brom to turn right around and be <laughs> about as uh, wrong and annoying as he could possibly be uh, about Mick Cronin uh, is uh, pretty funny. Uh, but I, I enjoyed uh, the fact that somebody else was recognizing, hey, this is basically a spam account now, and it's pretty annoying uh, when people are trying to talk about something completely different uh, to just sort of have that guy crashing into your conversations like the Kool-Aid man uh, and tweet something about Mick Cronin. It just but doesn't Mike land... Cronin. It does not land the same way as the advocacy for Jeff Brom did here locally, I don't think. Uh, so I'm glad that somebody else is at least caught on. One of the bigger news items of the day, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers made it official uh, today uh, after a lot of sort of public uh, back and forthing. And I think uh, some a, an earnest effort on Michigan's part to try to keep him. Uh, the Chargers went ahead and announced that the, Jim Harbaugh is their guy. Uh, reporting, or that was uh, reported a little bit earlier uh, today, and now that's that's official. He is out of there uh, with Michigan officially. The Chargers, I know, tweeted out a graphic uh, with uh, some some old images of him as a player, and you kind of forget 
uh, some of that. Uh, sometimes he's just been a, a wildly successful coach every single place he goes. And while I enjoyed uh, my jokes at his expense early on at Michigan, I mean, I, I did. I will fully own all of those. Uh, I think you'd have to say his time at Michigan in the end was unqualified success. He leaves them, his work there really being done. And I don't really think that it's uh, – sometimes we have these conversations uh, about college sports in the calendar and what is required of these coaches to manage rosters and such uh, that, that some of them are fleeing. And I do think that there's a lot of truth to that whole discussion about coaches just not wanting to live the life of a college coach. But I – I don't think that's what's happening with Jim Harbaugh. I think he is a guy who deviated from the pros and is such a good coach that he was able to, I think, ultimately sort of figure things out at Michigan, but is somebody who has always wanted to get back there and finish what he was not able to finish as the head coach of the 49ers. And I, I don't know how people feel about him uh, as a coach. I think he, I'm going to try to learn the lesson that I obviously should have learned before Dan Campbell that there are lots of different ways and lots of different attitudes and, and styles that I think coaches can have in the NFL and be successful. Uh, a lot of it kind of depends on the players, like the individual players they're having to deal with that sort of thing. But I'm going to deliberately sort of try to keep my head about me here and say, I think Harbaugh's going to do great in the NFL. Because he's gonna ha he's gonna start with the one thing that can change everything, and he's gonna he has a great quarterback already, and everything else is kind of window dressing after that, right? Like if you've got your guy at quarterback, you should be. I think he's gonna be excellent in the NFL. Yeah, the only problem with this move is you know the division has Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid for as long as they want to be yeah. in Kansas City. That's the only downside. But like the Chargers, like the roster should be a playoff team year in and year out. And they were last year, and you know that was a testament to your lack of testament to Staley and just how bad his clock management skills were that he got fired midseason this year. But I think the Chargers, you know, that's a great fit for Harbaugh. He apparently just loves coaching schools and or teams in California. That seems to be where he just yeah. loves. And you know why not? If he can bring a championship to LA to the Chargers because they don't have much of a history really. I mean, they did have a couple Super Bowls appearances, obviously, but. You know, they share a building with the Rams, who already have a Super Bowl. So if they can add another Super Bowl trophy to that case there and one for themselves, that's going to be a testament to Harbaugh. Yeah, it's good. You talk about going from a, a kind of a goofball like Brandon Staley, who a lot of people I think sort of thought was kind of an airhead, honestly, uh, to, to, to Harbaugh. I think a lot of it's going to depend on uh, his own coaching staff, you know, and how that fits. But the guy has just done a wonderful job. Uh, everywhere he goes, I think he'll do well. What a tough division uh, that's going to be with those coaches there, uh, with three of those coaches. They're having a, a ton of experience and success uh, elsewhere at, at times. That should be a lot of fun. The, a the problem is I think the AFC is nuts in terms of franchises that have a quarterback that they feel like is good enough to get them to a Super Bowl. Like You've got – you can get down to like the ninth or tenth I think we could name maybe a dozen that you feel like quarterback is good for them, right? Like, like good for them. They don't even need to think twice about it, uh, and including a couple of teams in that division. 
Whereas I think in the NFC, you've got maybe three teams <laughs> that you feel like it's good for them. Yeah, like the Bucks, your Bucks, they'll probably re-sign Baker Mayfield. I don't know how you, you feel about that. I think <sighs> you've lined up on Baker, but I have. Like he's he's a fine quarterback, but I, he's not the long-term fit. I, but I mean, you kind of have to run it back with Baker until something happens, don't you? Well, that that is interesting because I, I don't know what I think the answer to that question is, uh, because. I think we're all giving Canales, the offensive, had been the offensive coordinator for the Bucks last year, uh, a lot of credit for his work with Baker and then giving Baker a lot of credit for embracing what they try to do and all that sort of thing. Uh, but Canales is out now. He uh, today accepted the head coaching job with the Panthers, uh, which, okay, uh, if you want to work for Tepper, that's cool. Uh, I understand, I'm not in the business of turning down head coaching jobs either, but good luck with that. Uh, and uh, Spencer, to answer your question, I don't know how I feel about Baker now that Canales won't be there. <laughs> like I, mean, I kind of look at Gino, I wanted them both because he was with Seattle before, and it's Geno true. Smith, you know, wins Comeback Player of the Year last year when Canales is the QB coach there. But then he goes to the Bucks, becomes the OC coach, and Geno kind of reverted back to his previous self, where he's kind of a middling quarterback. Like yeah. in the NFC, he's probably top half, maybe just because the NFC is not as star studded, but. That would be interesting to see who the Bucks decide to turn to for the offensive side of the ball if they can keep up the pressure and keep up the good work with Baker Mayfield. Because the vision, it's getting a little tougher if you know Vrabel or Belichick takes that Falcons job and they get the quarterback right. The Falcons are interviewing everyone. Yeah, like, Slowick's getting interviewed today, a second time. Just imagine, like they've interviewed Belichick a handful of times, or you know, a couple of times. Slowick's getting a second one. I mean, they've interviewed that. They interviewed Harbaugh once. Like they're interviewing everybody. So if you want to get brush up on your interview skills, uh, the Falcons they are interviewing. Uh, just show up with your resume. Yeah, there's like three openings, and there's going to be someone that like we thought was going to get. I saw someone tweet this out earlier, like a list of candidates that's available that's getting all these interviews, and there's only three openings now. So someone's going to be on the outside looking in. And while like Belichick seemed like a foregone conclusion like a week ago, that may not be the case anymore. And like Vrabel, I haven't heard his name thrown out for any job lately for like him being the front runner for a position yeah uh we'll get to to benji here in just a second but with the with the falcons i think it's funny that you bring if you're bill belichick like you're just sitting around at home think you know you're it's fine time has finally ended with uh with new england and you're what he's in his early 70s yeah uh, and in trying to just sort of take stock of where you are realizing that you are competing for the falcons head coaching job with Slovic, who's 40 years, you know, 30 years younger than you were, you know what I mean? Like these guys who've done nothing and you're like, I am literally the most successful head coach of all time. And I'm having to like go through rounds of interviews. Yeah. It's like the, <laughs> uh, job. it's like the Brady situation where, you know, Brady, his last year in England was not one of his better years, obviously. And that teams were kind of like, you know, we can roll the dice. Like San Fran's like, we'll roll the dice with Jimmy G once again. And there's only a few suitors, and congrats on your Buccaneers getting the job done there. That's kind of what it feels like. It's like everyone's kind of discrediting the recent success. And I'm not saying you shouldn't discredit it at all, but it's just like you would think if this guy was available, everyone would want that job or want that guy. And it certainly sets up, I think, everyone, just about everyone expecting a former Charlie Strong assistant, uh, Sharon Moore, to be ushered in uh, as the head coach at Michigan. And just a very different landscape for college football uh, than the season we just wrapped up. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but let's get Benji in here. Benji, good to hear from you, buddy. Welcome into the job, man. What's going on? 
Hey, what's happening, fellas? So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I sure. hate when people call in and make an immediate left turn to something that's totally not on topic and want you to talk about something else. I'm not doing Do that. It. I'll come back around to what we're talking about. So I'm backtracking to the Mick is a pit guy. All right, let's do it. <laughs> so it's not just me. <laughs> I have literally spent, like, after every game that UCLA plays, I just screenshot the record and, like, what is it about Mick Cronin that you think is he's going to get the job? Have you lost your mind? Like, you don't watch Pac-12, Pac-6, whatever, Pac-2, Pac whatever it is. Like, I like Mick Cronin, too, dude, but he's not, no, he's he's not helping his resume. Mm-mm. So, you saying that you blocked him, I'm like, all right, now I don't feel so bad because I did the same thing mid-Duke game. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you I lasted a long time, though. I will give you your credit for that. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, you brought Brom home. Fine. You're, you were a fun account while it lasted, but now... I'm like, no, dude, it's not Mick Cronin. He's not the answer to our problems for sure. But, no, that was when I was actually calling about, like, finally somebody agrees with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, no, uh, just to bring it back to what you're discussing now so that we stay on topic here, Harbaugh, I didn't think he did bad when he was at, what was it, San Fran, right? Yeah, it was the Super Bowl for crying out loud. Yeah, I'm like, what's he doing going to college? Why would you want to deal with that? So him going back to the pros, I think he'll do fine there, and I actually really, really do uh, like the Sharon Moore pick. I think, yeah. I think, he, I think he'll pick up where Harbaugh left off, and I think he might even be a flashier version than what Harbaugh was. Uh, uh, what's that forte would be? You know what I'm saying? Sure. So I think Sharon Moore will do well up there. But yeah, I just really wanted to call in and be like, thank you for agreeing with me with about the Mick the Pick guy. You know it. <laughs> Thanks, All right, have a good day, y'all. Good to hear from you uh, as well, buddy. Yeah, Mick Cronin, this is not the year uh, to be uh, stomping up and down and uh, beating uh, the drum for, for Mick Cronin. They stink uh, this year. But I, I tell you what, w- when it comes to candidates, the, this has been a miserable year to like identify somebody as the guy that you believe in and then watch what happens to them, right? Like Everybody has had some sort of issue or struggle or whatever. Uh, at some point, uh, a little bit at least, uh, this year. Even last night, uh, Kansas State loses to Iowa State, and you get Jerome Tang, who I like a lot, and Otzelberger from Iowa State, like getting into it at mid mid court over the, I think, some of the behavior of some of the people in the stands there uh, at Iowa State. And I thought to myself, like, I wonder how this will go over with, with people. But I think... I think you correct me if you think I'm wrong here, but I, I think it would have been very well received because he wasn't happy after a game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you never want like serious arguments to necessarily unfold, but like again, it beats, you know, the alternative, which is, you know, Kenny smiling when you lose by 25 points. And like, I, I'm with you. I love Jerome Tang, the fire that I think he would bring to Louisville, but like, I, I know Blake and Baker, he's a big Chris Beard guy. He's like, Oh, look, Ole Miss beat Arkansas, who they're like f- hovering around 500 right now. So, and I like Musselman too. So, um, but he's like saying, like, oh, look at this Jerome Tang people. And it's like, there's, like you said, there's pros and cons to everyone that they w- that people want here because uh, the season's been up and down. And that's what I love about college basketball is in a year like this, there's really no clear cut favorite. No, th- there certainly isn't. Uh, and I look, there are. Th- Every coach has something of a a flaw in some part of their resume. There just isn't an obvious person. There really isn't even, I don't think, if you're talking about candidates, there really isn't even someone as uh, 
positive for the job as even Chris Mack was. You know what? Like he's got a, a one seed in the tournament, and he's right up the road, and like has head coach experience and all that sort of like there. I don't know that there's one person that is head and shoulders above everybody else uh, for this job either. And that's why I think kind of adds to what I think will be the differences between a coaching search after this season and a coaching search after the, a couple of seasons ago when you hired uh, Kenny. I I would love to give someone uh, some truth serum and, and really know who was really interested and how interested were they in this job last time with uh, the issues around not having a president and not having, or not having, you know, a permanent president, not having a permanent AD, having the IARPK still be out there uh, and being a couple of years removed from being in the tournament. You know, a lot of that's just not true anymore. And, and I would like to think that whereas it makes things a little more difficult that you're, you're getting further and further away from sort of sustained success. So there's going to be some work involved here. Uh, but, a lot of those negatives have to be gone. And I would think that it would make the pool of guys who would be interested in this job a little wider. And I think it would make the pool of guys who would do well here a little wider because we're, we're asking whoever it is to overcome quite a bit less. So I would hope that the, the coaching search process is very different than it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I don't know, like, I know, like, Ethan and others have brought the point, like, I want to hear actual candidates' names mentioned, but, like, I know the search firm that we all dislike, and that's to kind of try to keep people's name from getting leaked out because they go out to their current employer, and it's like, why'd you interview for this job? They could get, you know, dicey. But I I don't know where I stand if we'd want to hear, like, publicly named candidates, but at least a good list that's not just, oh, this guy played here at one point in time, so he should be the front runner. The one thing I will say, the most cut-and-dry candidate that I think would be almost universally approved is Scott Drew because of the national championship sure. he has. But my thing is, I don't know how interested Scott Drew is in leaving Waco, Texas to come to Louisville. If he's very interested, I say you get the job done. I think that one is the least objectionable, for sure. Uh, and I think really, the uh, for of all the candidates, and I think in his case, and we're talking about rebuilding experience, uh, competing in the uh, at the highest level head coaching experience tournament experience and success all that sort of thing put guys in the all that stuff uh the easiest uh to make the case for for sure i think with him most people their biggest issue is believing that he really would even do it that's what seems like to me would be like the biggest impediment is is can you get him to to leave a place like that uh, and, and I wonder about that. I don't know. Coaches, you like you can get wealthy in a lot of places, uh, and he's pretty much got this thing established the way he wants it, and they've built a, a cozy arena for him. Uh, they're a brand new one. Uh, but he's from this area, so that matters. Uh, I think like it's part of the pitch that you would have there. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how serious that would be. Uh, as far as like Ethan and like I want a coaching search and real names and that sort of thing, I agree with that. This coaching search can be different than the previous one, but it's, we still haven't reached the place where people love having their names involved in these things if they don't get the job. So I don't, I don't know how much we're going to get that this time as compared to any other time uh, because coaches still don't like it out there that they didn't get a job that they at least were interested in. Yeah, you're only interested in the job if you get the job. That's how people take it. It's like, oh, I was always going to stay here. 
Like the only time it was like very, and again, we're not Alabama bat or Alabama football, but you have like Dan Lanning, Steve Sarkeesian, where they're like very publicly saying, I'm staying at my current school because, you know, getting in front of the rumors where Alabama's interested in those candidates there. That's really the only time you ever see people saying, basically, I turned down that job offer. Yeah, it's very rare uh, that you, you hear that. And that is kind of the fascinating thing. That maybe that just drives home how different Alabama is. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of fascinating that it's such a unique job in such a unique situation that you had the head coaches at Oregon and Texas very publicly be involved in that job. Mike Norvell, same thing with him. And it didn't seem like anyone was bothered by any of that <laughs> at yeah, any of those a, places. It's a rarity. Yeah, like no one at those places was like, why are you even bothering with that? And we talked about this when the job first opened, but framing this like, who can they get to take the job? Like the, the idea that it, it the best coach ever, you think of success as almost like automatic. Uh, and we'd like to think about that as as here, but we've been cured of that at least uh, with with men's basketball. It's not automatic; you got to do something. Uh, but you know, you would think that Alabama would think they could get anybody that they wanted, and it really required some some convincing. I wonder if Washington had won the national championship if Caleb mm-hmm. DeBoer takes that Alabama job because he's like uh, maybe kind of like the Harbaugh situation where he's like, I've reached the mountaintop. There's nothing else I can do here besides maybe win another title. Um, because even then, like it was unfinished business. He's like, this is a business decision. I have to take this offer because it's Alabama. Like, who you could be foolish to turn it down. And I think that's how he viewed it. Whereas, like, Louisville putting us in, like, again, I know we're steps below, but it's like, could we get a coach who's in the Final Four? We're on the precipice of a championship this year. And it's like, hey, we're going to give you the offer. And it's like, I got unfinished business at my current school that I want to you know, see through that we win a title. 8150-90 through 9. That's uh, the number you want to try to squeeze uh, in here. You certainly can. Uh, Texture says if they want Drew, they better do it before Indiana fires their coach. I don't think Woodson's anywhere close uh, to being uh, in trouble uh, with Indiana fans, so I don't know they necessarily have to worry about that. But, yes, obviously, as a guy from there, uh, a number of you pointing out that Bobby V said that uh, that Scott Drew would listen. I would hope so. That would be great. I would love that. Uh Texture says, didn't everyone mute the uh, bring Brom home guy like a year and a half ago like I did? It's not like he actually influenced Brom coming here. True. True. And if anything, the only thing that he has really, I think, accomplished is is convincing everyone, well, even if I didn't like Mick Cronin, I don't now because of you. Like that, the, he has, I think he has poisoned uh, the Mick Cronin candidacy for everybody. Texture wants to know why we don't bring up Anthony Grant of Dayton. They've been they've been nice. I mean, I liked Anthony Grant uh, as part of Billy's staff at Florida, and uh, like I I think he's done a, a great job there. He's one of many coaches I think would do well. I think more than anything else, I would be concerned about style. They they played especially I think his his tenure at Alabama. A lot of Alabama fans did not love. Uh, they were a, kind of a murder ball team. They played. Chris Mack style, like they were a bruising kind of physical team, weren't super fun to watch offensively, that sort of thing. And I know that we're all beggars, can't be choosers, but we also like what we like. And so I don't know that he would be near the top of anybody's list. The problem with Anthony Grant, like I know he's been successful at Dayton, but like his best team, we didn't get to see the tournament with Opin and company. And like I, I'm not going to necessarily knock him for lack of tournament success or whatever, but if we had that run and like knew how far they went that year, 
that I think could sway one way or another. But I mean, Dayton, a little bit I've seen this year, they're doing a fantastic job. And I it's very forgettable team just because they're not that blue blood or popular name that you hear year in and year out. Texture says, I'm ready to slap anyone who says Richard Patino. Look where nostalgia got us this time. Yeah. I, it, it seems unlikely uh, that Louisville would go there or even that he would necessarily want to do that. Uh, but he is, I'll tell you what, he's doing a good job right now. Do you he's think he'll be excellent. back in a Power Six job this year? Uh, he'll probably get some looks, I would think. He's having a, a fantastic year. He really is. Uh, they look great uh, right now. Uh, Texas says Cronin with $20 million buyout would just be begging for haters. Of course. Of course it would. And I, I really, again, I think the biggest thing with Cronin is not so much that the basketball went south because I think you can look at this year's roster and this year's team and his resume. Look, he does not have a bad resume. Uh, it could be better. He doesn't have a bad resume at all. He's not a bad coach. I think the big problem with Mick Cronin now is he's, just, he's been a putz. He's just, he's just been so off-putting the way that he has behaved uh, that I, I, I think – you know, we talk about there's absolutely no chance they would ever hire anybody this time who hasn't been a head coach. I think that that's true. Uh, I think being having some relation to Louisville probably doesn't matter at all uh, after uh, everything uh, with Kenny this time. But I, I think demeanor and the uh, public-facingness of whoever it is probably matters more now than it has ever mattered for a candidate uh, for Louisville basketball this time. And Mick Cronin certainly has not nailed it this time. Uh, and there certainly are other guys I think who do that and understand the role of all of that uh, far better than than he does uh, and has handled that sort of thing this year uh, at all. So let's go ahead and take a quick break here. We'll come back. It's time to talk with our guy Fat Jack about these uh, AFC-NFC championship games uh, and what you can do with those here. On the other side, on the drive on at Thunderville. Be right back. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis and Spencer on a Thursday. A little change of plans with Fat Jack. We'll get to him uh, at another time. I did want to remind you guys tonight on 680, on ESPN 680 at 615, Bellarmine and North Florida. You'll be able to get pregame coverage for that uh, and Louisville women's basketball will be tonight on 93 on the Ville at 630 uh, against Boston College. Uh, you'll be able to listen to that uh, here. So following us, not preempted, thankfully. Uh, we appreciate uh, them uh, scheduling tip times accordingly. Uh, but uh, you will have both of those. So basketball on 680 and 93.9. 
Bellarmine in North Florida at 615 on 680. The women tonight starting at 630 on 93.9 The Ville, where we also have the Jeff Walsh Show. We always have that. Uh, that'll be at 7 on Friday, right after the uh, the Cardinal Insider. So you'll be able to listen to all uh, of that. Uh, but we'll go ahead and open up the phones here. 8150-939. That's uh, the number if you want to jump in. 3831-939 for the uh, UPS Jobs text line. If you want to hit us up that way, you can as well. Would love to, uh, to hear from you. Texture says uh, we've been talking about candidates and things, and I think we look. We I think we get to just be casual about this because we I think we've got some time. Uh, so if you got uh, thoughts, I would love uh, to hear from you guys. We had a texture who said we do not need anyone that's failed anywhere on the court. I don't know about that. That's a little strong. I, if they failed somewhere, I'd like to see that they have learned from it, right? Like it would, certainly, we don't want to uh, rule out somebody that maybe has been fired at some point in their careers, right? We don't want to be hiring somebody coming off getting fired. But th- there are coaches who get can and grow from it and get better from it, right? Like th- that seems strong to me. I don't know. That just seems like a, the tiniest bit exclusionary, but I can certainly understand. A fans, uh, a portion of fans, at least wanting uh, to have uh, the feeling of just the surest thing. And I look, I hope everyone recognizes. I I feel you in this. Want want the the next hire to provide that instant boost, not necessarily like instantly just fix everything, but certainly would like the next hire to instantly give people a feeling of like, all right, we're still what I think we are. That's what I think everyone is wanting that hire to accomplish. Uh, and I don't know that anyone's going to necessarily give us that, but Scott Drew would be pretty great. Yeah, the only I do want to know if a candidate that takes the job leans into um, one of the gaffes from Kenny Payne, like, this is your one or something. Because I know like fan the fans here would be ecstatic if they leaned in, like, no, we're not doing year zero. We're doing year one, and you know we're going to be back compete for championships sooner than later. Yeah, uh, I don't think that you, I've man. The more I've thought about that, the whole year one, year zero uh, comment, the more I it just has occurred to me. I've I've never heard another coach say that before. I'm sure there's someone out there that has used that. We just don't know anything about it because those guys probably ultimately failed at their job, and they were, you know, like yeah, that's not going to fly. Like it has to be, like. Scott Drew when he took Baylor like you could say that's year zero or you know it counts but we'll be a little lenient and give you a grace period I know we brought up you know Tom Creamy took over Indiana it's like we'll give you some grace for this year if you wanted to you know term it year zero so be it but it's like there's some mitigating factors where you can give a little bit grace but what we saw last year was not anything where it's like we can not give you this grace because you are the reason that we bottomed out so bad yeah, I just I cannot think of anyone who's ever said that uh, for this reason. You would only say that really in year two, which you would be saying, that person would be saying it's in year one. And you I think you'd really only be saying that if year two wasn't going very well either. Uh, because if, you're, if, if things get turned around in year two and things are going well, think about, say, Charlie's first year. You know, they go six and six, uh, and then they're two and four in the middle of his uh, his second year. We didn't get any year zero talk from him. Uh, and then they finished off quite well. And everyone was like, okay, year two is pretty good. 
And then there was a big jump in year three, and you know the next two years were what they are. Just an, I, I cannot remember another coach uh, writing off their own results and, and really trying to ascribe them to nobody. Uh, I, I don't even really know who Kenny necessarily thinks is responsible for the year uh, that he coached here last year. Texture says, if we hire an angry, bald guy, I would want the guy at Maryland. He knows what it's like here, and maybe hire past players or coaches on the staff, maybe a guy that is on the show uh, sometimes. Yeah, look, I, he's a great coach. Uh, he's a really good coach. Uh, I don't think he has any desire to come back here. I think he's kind of made that clear. Uh, and, he, look, he's in the same vein as Mick when it comes to, like, prickliness and that sort of thing. Uh, so if we're agreeing uh, that uh, demeanor, outward demeanor, that sort of thing, uh, if, if those matter maybe more than they would have the previous cycle, uh, certainly uh, he's that's going to be a, a negative in his column as well. I mean, don't you remember when Maryland played here for the ACC Big Ten title, or not title, for the ACC Big Ten Challenge, excuse me, and he was very dismissive. He's like, I don't yeah. care about Louisville. Like, I don't think about them at all kind of deal. Yep, uh, and I am not. I wasn't shocked to hear that and, and don't think he would express much interest. Uh, he's at, look, he's at Maryland. He's got a great job. He's. I don't know why he would do that. Let's get Roger in here next. Roger, thanks for waiting, buddy. Welcome into the Drive and Thunderbolt. What's up? Hey, guys. Uh, I was born and raised a uh, Chiefs fan, so I read a lot of literature about the AFC West. There you go. And I was a little surprised that Harbaugh would take the San, uh, listen to me, San Diego job, <laughs> the Chargers <laughs> job, uh, simply because at this moment, right now as we talk, they are something like $45 million over the mm. cap. And from what I read in an article a couple months back, they are not looking good for the next several years cap-wise, so they're going to be really restricted on who they can get. So I figured that was why Belichick wasn't even mentioned with it. But when it comes down to it, who knows? Belichick may have been contacted by every opening and hmm. just didn't interview. So that's what I got to say. Yep. I, listen, Roger, I appreciate uh, that. Thank you so much. Uh, look, they've got the quarterback. And I, I think you can make a lot of other things work salary cap-wise. I mean, I'm not going to go full Jared Stillman on you here and just basically say the salary cap doesn't actually exist. Uh, but you, you sort of can't help but feel that way sometimes uh, with the gymnastics that they're able to do with the cap. Uh, but they've got work to do. No question uh, they've got work to do on the uh, the salary cap. But the Bucks won their division and a playoff game uh, and we're competitive with the Lions this year with $83 million in dead money on the books. So money that they spent that, that weren't players uh, on this year's roster. And I, I just I, I happen to think Harbaugh's an extremely good coach. Uh, in particular, I think he's very good at the psychological part. For as weird of a guy as I think he kind of is, it, sounds, it might seem odd for me to say this, but uh, he's the, psych, the psychological part, I think he, he gets, he deserves no credit for the fact that the team had to deal with him being suspended. But I think he does deserve credit for the fact that they did handle him being in and out of the lineup and headlines and that sort of thing about all of that and him being there or not there for some extremely important games this year. It was almost like it didn't matter. In a weird way, that 
it's the best compliment you could give a coach. These guys played exactly the same way, whether he was physically there or not, which is incredible. Like you, you couldn't watch the way that they played in any way whatsoever and have any idea that he was there or not there. And I listened to a little bit of a, a, an interview with Richard Sherman, who played for him at Stanford, talked about uh, the fact that like this, this guy's weird. Uh, he's not like a lot of other coaches, but is extremely good at one thing. And I love this uh, the story from Richard Sherman. Great at just making guys figure out how to get competitively angry. And that sounds like kind of an odd thing uh, to say, but he talked about when they did mat drills and, and off-season workouts at Stanford, that it would be like, hey, uh, you're Richard, you're a defensive back and you weigh like 180, you will be wrestling this defensive end, and each of you is going to have a sock on. Spencer, this is real. Each of you has a sock, and the whoever wins the wrestling match is whoever can rip the sock off the other guy. And it's it's utterly arbitrary. It's all it almost sounds funny. It sounds like something the siblings would do, but it's just I'm going to create arbitrarily uh, uh, insane or funny or awkward competitive situations to see which one of you can just get competitive when it matters. And honestly, it sounded incredibly refreshing. Like you said, he's a weird dude, but like we've kind of grown to know who this guy is and how weird he can be, but. Like you said, the track record, it speaks for itself. Whether it was, you know, at Stanford where there was the one game where they're like 28-point underdogs to USC and Pete Carroll, and they go in and they win that game outright. Like, he will get those guys up there. And to the cap argument, like, yeah, it can be manipulated in many ways there. And, like, people want to play for Harbaugh, I think, because of his success. And that's going to be how they manage the cap and the draft. That's going to be more so how good they can be this year. 81-50-93-9, that's uh, the number if you want to get in here. So I appreciate uh, the call there. Uh, I th- Look, he's taken a team to the Super Bowl. Uh, he has been extremely successful at what? Uh, at the University of San Diego, yep. uh, at Stanford, at Michigan, with the 49ers. I, I, at this point, I have no doubt in my mind he'll do well. Will he win a Super Bowl or make it to a Super Bowl at uh, with the Chargers, who I also am going to call San Diego for eternity? I don't think I can stop at this point. Uh, we'll see. Life in the AFC going forward doesn't sound very fun at all uh, trying to make it through to the Super Bowl when you think about that Baltimore and their quarterback set for the next five years. Cincinnati quarterback set for the next five years. Houston now, Kansas City now, the Chargers, they've got their guy uh, as well. Buffalo, they've got their guy as well. We'll see what Miami does with Tua. He's not quite like the same, but you got all of these teams and, and really good. If Pittsburgh had a quarterback, it'd be even that much harder because like these good franchises that are always good on kind of an annual basis have things figured out and have a quarterback. It's never been more tilted like this where there's just there aren't counterparts in the NFC like this. But there are there are very few. Maybe Jordan Love will develop into one of those. He sort of showed some signs of this year, but as long as you've got your quarterback, like you can really make a lot of other things work. Look at the Chiefs. <laughs> Look at the guys that are uh, catching passes from him this year outside of Kelsey. I mean, Tony has been in and out of the lineup. Rasheed Rice, these guys, uh, and they they just continue on because we, I think when you have your quarterback settled, and I think they'll buy in. I think they'll do. I I just I'm a believer now, and I'm a believer in Sharon Moore at Michigan too. I think he'll do excellent there.
Yeah, absolutely agree because like we've seen Jerome Moore, you know, filling in when he had to this year. And like I think this is what made Harbaugh so intriguing to the NFL is that they came so close last time when he was with San Francisco. Yep. And he's playing his brother and you know, they were down big and they were rallying and they almost had a chance to I can't remember if it was tie or take the lead late, but they had a chance and he's got unfinished business in the NFL. And like I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner like obviously a couple years ago the vikings last year the broncos uh were in, in his work there and i don't know if it's because they decide to move elsewhere the teams or he's like i want to take michigan to the national championship and, but i think this year was his last year at michigan regardless if they had won or not i think he had that itch and he's like it's time to you know go to the nfl and also i think the way thing may have played a little bit of a factor but i think he was always going to try to get back to the nfl at some point yeah, I don't think – I agree with you. I don't think that Harbaugh uh, was trying to get away from Michigan and the NCAA as much as people would maybe would like that to be part of what was going on there. I think he was always trying to get back to the NFL because the man interviewed for a job on National Signing Day last year. <laughs> like, he, the, the NFL was a priority for him, and it wasn't just about bargaining a position. And I think that the reason you can say that is we know now Michigan – basically rolled over and gave him everything at the in the end they offered him basically the immunity from ncaa uh causes or being fired for cause because of ncaa violations and that sort of thing they were going to make him the highest paid coach uh have escalators that would keep him the highest paid coach no matter what the guy wants to go back to the nfl and when people want to do something like that look i have no doubt in my mind that if uh if money is all that mattered that purdue would have come up with an absurd offer for for Jeff Brom and kept him if it was just about money but sometimes it's it's more than that I think he always wanted to get back uh to the NFL let's get uh, Kyle in here next Kyle welcome into the drive buddy what's up hey Mark how's it going man Good, bud. Uh, I I just I was calling because you were talking about coaching candidates earlier yeah. and the, you know the fan base and how they can be a bit high maintenance and maybe dismissive I think a key element and I assume Josh Hurd has his own criteria, but we often look at coaches first and say, do we want them or not? And then we go to the next guy and the next guy. For me, I have four criteria that I look for for whoever the next coach is, and then I look at the guys after that. So the first thing I look at is, obviously, do they win and do they have at least some tournament success? And then my my concrete barometer is, do they at least make it to the second weekend more than once in a blue moon? I know there's not a whole lot of Final Four National Championship coaches, so that's where I draw my line. Not all the time, just, you know, do you have a couple of Sweet 16s, maybe an Elite Eight on your resume? Then the second thing I look for is, you know, are they a cultural fit? And by cultural fit, I mean... I think it's very important. Like Chris Mack, for example. Chris Mack is a good coach, and he did good at Xavier, but he kind of lives the dad life, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I love living the dad life. I like to smoke brisket, make horrible dad jokes, and look at my grass and talk about how my lawn looks. I love it. But unfortunately, you know, as a Louisville basketball coach and a fishbowl mentality, I think you, you have to live, eat, breathe, and sleep basketball first, unfortunately, like how, like how Rick Patino was. Obviously, he probably loves his family, but, you know, he's a big basketball junkie. So that kind of – that's actually my third trait is, you know, being a big basketball junkie like that and then uh, being able to recruit at this level and handle the fan pressure, uh, the the limelight, embracing the limelight. Because those, 
those things are, are very important. So being addicted to the game, putting basketball kind of in front, embracing the limelight, uh, winning percentage or winning percentage, tournament success. And so I'll look at guys like that, and then that's when I try to narrow down the list because this is a unique job. There are good coaches out there that can do a great job in certain programs. And then there's coaches like a Rick Patino who can go anywhere and be successful. But we're not going to get a guy like that, in my opinion. So I think it's more important to kind of cater the coaching candidates to whatever traits would be most beneficial to our specific situation. Like a guy like Jerome Tang, I think he'd be a great personality fit because unlike Kenny Payne, who during a time when the fan base was hurting with all the sanctions and stuff and the dark cloud, he kind of alienated himself from everybody. In a time where we really kind of needed somebody to lend us an olive branch, I feel like a guy like Jerome Tang, for example, would say, hey, I know you guys have been – I know what this program is capable of and where it's been, and we're going to do everything we can to get it back. And so we need you guys to show up and show out, and they would make an extra effort to kind of interact with the fan base. I believe his staff was. So that's just one example. Anyway, I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate uh, that. Was a great call. Thank you so much, uh, Kyle. Yeah, I, I think traits is a great way of talking about things that that you ought to be looking for, and I, and I think the challenge in identifying traits that, that you would be that you feel like would be most advantageous to use that caller's language. Great call. Uh, very reasonable there. All of that uh, is trying to identify which ones they like uh, and which ones they think are are good and which ones are just the opposite of Kenny, right? Like you don't want to just say, I, I want to hire whoever is not like Kenny or who is the most, like whoever is the most different, you know, from Kenny, because I think you just make an error the opposite way uh, necessarily when you do that. But it certainly seems like this is not the place. I totally agree with this. This is just not the job for someone who isn't fed by eyeballs. You know, if if I'm Josh, it should be an something close to an automatic disqualifier uh, if I get even a hint of the idea that you uh, that a candidate thinks attention is something to be managed or to be uh hard, like anything other than harnessed and amplified. If there's any hesitation about being out in front of or talking about a thing, uh, that's not the guy. And that feels like a deal breaker at this point because Chris Mack didn't like it. Kenny Payne has just opted out of it. And neither one of them works uh, for this. And I, I think in Kenny's case, I, I want to defend him in one way and then kind of condemn him in another way. When it comes to being obsessed with basketball, and I really do question – how reflective Kenny is because I, 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 he doesn't give a lot of evidence to me that he does a lot of soul searching uh, uh, about how he's doing as a coach. But I, I can't believe that he's lasted as long as he has in the sport, in the role that he's in, either as a head coach or an assistant coach. I can't believe that he's lasted as long as that he, he's, he has at places that he has uh, and that he isn't a junkie for basketball like most other coaches are. So I understand why Kyle said what he said, but I do think this is where – so I would defend him in that regard. I, th I think he is. 
I don't have any reason to think that he isn't. I think those, the, but the place where I think he needs to do some work and looking at himself, if however he wants to manage the rest of his coaching career after Louisville, it would be to ask himself, why is it that people watch me and my teams and think I'm not that? Like, what is it about the way I do things that makes people think I don't, I'm not all that into this because it's a, it's a death knell. Like, there are few traits, to use that word again, that I can think of a coach having that would be worse than the, just the fact that they, they give the impression, they give the air that this is just, I could take or leave this. And it, you People will not put up with that because fans, the ones who come up up their money and that sort of thing and who actually show up for these things and support you and all that, they're maniacs. The ones who call this show, text this show, interact with us on social media, we're all maniacs. And this is a city full of maniacs for the sport. And that energy just has to be matched. It has to. And I think what Kenny's work to do on himself is just to at least try to understand what is it about me and the way I think I should do things that people look at me and they're just like, I don't think he cares that much. That's a problem. Yeah, like you would think that, you know, he's been on this job now over a year and a half, almost two years, and I don't know what his next move is if he wants to he's, – because he's not going to be a head coach anywhere anytime soon. I can't imagine that. But he's got to go to a bench. And who I don't know who hires him at this point. Outside maybe his buddy Cal. Yeah, I, look, I, he's done himself some damage. I, I don't think that there's any denying. Like, he just can't possibly deny uh, that his, his overall kind of candidacy or whatever as a coach uh, at any level has been hurt dramatically by how he's performed here. Uh, and it's why I don't have the least – and I mean, I don't have the least bit of hesitation about there being any kind of blowback on Louisville about making a change. Uh, people understand what's happened with the job here. Uh, and I, I don't think that they'll struggle to find a very good coach uh, when that time comes. We'll take a quick break here and we'll continue on. We're going to talk with, uh, with Jack Grossman here, who does a, a wonderful job uh, with uh, the Floyd Street's finest. We'll talk with him in a little bit uh, as well. Just get his thoughts on, on the rest of the season, starting with uh, Virginia here a little bit in this hour as well here. On the drive on Nintendo, we'll be right back. 